become misfortune. <laughs> I'm watching you. Hey guys, welcome to episode six of Macabre Misfortunes. Hi, everybody. Tracy, I told you in the beginning that some of these stories will have no paranormal aspects, but some of them will, and mm-hmm. this one does. Okay. I guess I believe what you say. So let me ask you a question. When most people think of famous ship disasters, what's the first thing you think of? Titanic. That would probably be everybody's and that's because 1517 people died on board the titanic this is an important number though 832 of those people were passengers and that was in 1912 right in 1915 the lusitania was sank after being hit by a german torpedo 1193 people died on on that sinking of the ship that was a combination of crew and passengers. 785 of those were passengers. Now, both of these ship disasters happened in a three-year period. But there was another one that happened on July 24th, 1915, in that same time period, that rarely even gets talked about. I wonder why. Well, I'm getting ready to tell you. I still don't know the answer why, but I'm yeah. going to tell you about it. The SS Eastland disaster is the one I'm speaking of. Now, why is this surprising? Because in the Eastland disaster, actually more passengers died than either the Titanic or the Lusitania. Whoa. A total of 848 people died, but 844 were passengers. Now, if you haven't heard this story, it is absolutely unbelievable. Uh Uh-oh. The Titanic sank... By hitting an iceberg. We all know that. Yes. I just told you the Lusitania was hit by a torpedo. Mm-hmm. What happened to the Eastland almost seems impossible. And why it seems impossible, because the ship was still docked in Chicago on the Chicago River. They didn't even get to go for a ride or nothing. No. Okay, so let's get into it as far as the actual thing. So the first, first thing I want to do, obviously, is cover a little bit of history about the SS Eastland. The Eastland was a passenger ship that was based out of Chicago. Now, it was first launched in 1903, so at the time it would have been 12 years old when this incident happened. Uh-huh. To say the ship had been uh, having some previous history of incidents would actually be an understatement. In the very first year that the, sh- that the ship was launched, it struck a tugboat and sank the tugboat at the Lake Street Bridge in Chicago. I guess it rammed it. In 1904, the next year, the ship had some stability issues. So, while loading and unloading of the ship, it nearly capsized on July 17th. What in the heck? The ship had 3,000 passengers on it, so they decided to lower the amount of of passengers to 2,800 
And they actually removed some of the cabins to make the ship a little bit lighter, mm-hmm. thinking this would help. They actually modified. Uh, they modified the hull, <laughs> and then they added lifeboats. Eventually, due to the Titanic disaster, yeah. not having enough lifeboats, mm-hmm. they had to add some. So, what does that do when they add life lifeboats? It adds more weight. It adds more weight. On August fifth, nineteen o six, another incident happened when the boat came out of the water too far. So it's cruising. Oh, and you know how hit a speed bump. It's almost. I mean, it actually was cruising, and then it's just like I guess waves and stuff. The the part of the ship actually came up out of the water, and it freaked it freaked a lot of people out. I bet. Again, adjustments were made to help stabilize the boat. In 1909, the ship was sold to Eastland, and they removed 39 cabins after the 1909 season. But there were still stability issues. Now, prior to the 1912 season, the top uh, smokestack sections were removed. And uh, they that shortened the smokestack height. And that relieved some of the pressure. Eventually, though, a uh, new concrete floor was added to the top level, level of the ship. Okay, duh. <laughs> Do they not know how this works? Obviously, this added a huge amount of weight. That brings us to the events of July 24th, 1915. Western Electric was having their company picnic. This was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Western Electric was a huge company, and they had lots of employees. So there, this was during a time, keep in mind, where vacations wouldn't was a luxury that most people couldn't afford. Yeah. So to have like a, a big company picnic that the company was sponsoring and they were shipping you out to and all this stuff was a big deal. Well, of course. And, you know, obviously... The employees were able to bring their entire family, so mm-hmm. it, was, it was a big deal. Western Electric had chartered a few of these these ships, with the uh, Eastland being one of them, and they were they designed to they were going to go up, leave the Chicago River, go up through Lake Michigan, and drop everybody off in Michigan City, Indiana, which is a suburb of Chicago, mm-hmm. to where the picnic was. Okay. Now at the time, the Eastland was licensed to carry. 2,500 passengers. By 7 a.m., men, women, and children were boarding at a rate of 50 people per minute. Oh, crap. They were really excited. Some, some went to the top of the deck and taking the, the beautiful view. Right. But most, ex, ex, especially like uh, people with young children, they went below the deck because it was actually kind of misting rain at the time. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to be out in the yeah. rain with their kids. That'd be me. Between 7.10 and 7.15 a.m., the ship began to move a little ways away from the wharf. This didn't seem to alarm anyone, though. It did catch the attention, though, of the harbor master and some of the observers that were on land. Then, the 275-foot-long boat just kind of righted itself. It fixed itself. I mean, was he still roped on yes. to the thing? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, it kind of fixed itself, so no big deal. But, that was only briefly. At 7.23, the ship started to tilt away from the wharf. Now, when this happened, there were water containers on the ship, like, I guess underneath, where you could fill them with water to get a little more weight to kind of... Even out. Right, the ship, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, they started doing that. But water started pouring through the gangways in the engine room, 
and the crew knew it was about to happen, so they started scrambling up the ladder to the main deck. At 7.28, the Eastland tilted to a 45-degree angle. Whoa. The piano on the promenade deck rode to the port wall, almost crushing two women. Then a refrigerator skidded and pinned two women beneath it. So everything's slack because you're at a, at a complete... So I'll bet the tilt. people on the top deck were like, whoa, what a ride. Right. The most deadly shipwreck in Great Lakes history was about to happen on the Chicago River without ever leaving the port. But, uh, when, but when people seen this was happening, why didn't they just jump off? Well, I mean, all this is really literally happening in a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, you're talking by 7.30, the Eastland was completely laying on its side in 20 feet of water. And they started, 7.15 was when all this stuff kind of started happening. So within 15 minutes, wow, this think... thing from, went from being upright to completely, completely over, yeah. on its side. It rolled so quickly that they couldn't launch the lifeboats or any of the life-saving equipment. As the ship settled down on its side, many of the passengers climbed over the starboard railing and actually walked across the exposed hull to safety, never even getting their feet wet. Wow. They were the lucky ones. As the ship toppled on its side, people on the deck were flung off. They said it was like um, swiping a tabletop full of ants, just swiping them off. There were about 10,000 people that were on the riverfront that day uh, from the businesses and mm-hmm. the people that were getting ready to load on the other ships and all that that were coming. They all immediately became first responders. Yeah. By 8 a.m., almost all the survivors had been pulled from the the river, and then came the gruesome task of locating and removing bodies. Oh. Most of the victims drowned inside the lower deck of the boat. Most of the bodies that were recovered were women and children. As the casualties mounted, the nearby 2nd Regiment Armory was converted to a makeshift morgue, amongst other buildings. Corpses were placed in rows of 85 as the identification process started. Just before midnight of that night, the public was admitted uh, in to kind of take a look for friends, family members. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there was also just some curious onlookers and thieves who were in there stealing jewelry from the bodies. What the hell is wrong with people? When all was said and done... 844 passengers had died and four crew members, 20 feet from the dock. 70% of them were under the age of 25. 22 entire families were lost. Oh, that's unbelievable. To be so close to where you could go to the shore, but then you, I guess, were pinned underneath. Oh. Many of the victims were Polish, Czech, and Hungarian immigrants. Mm. All right. So that's the basics. There's a lot more details that I could have gotten into uh, as far as the the process. Like when they eventually, um, Warren Electric ended up giving $100,000, which was a lot of money back in 1915, to be given out amongst the families. But that's not very much money. No. By the time you spread that out. And, uh, you know, in, in all honesty, the ship's crew was blamed for most of this, saying that they mishandled the water containers 
you know, filling them properly to straighten it out that they didn't handle it correctly. And I don't know. It's just the ship was should have been underwater, in my mm, opinion. Apparently you know not. the worst part? What? That ship was eventually uh, it was it was saved. And it stayed in business for another 30 some odd years. Really? Yep. Not, not, it, it didn't, it wouldn't deliver, or, um, like a passenger one anymore. Yeah. But, but it was bought, I think the military even bought it at some point and used it. Maybe the Navy bought it. And used it. But I mean, you would yeah. think. Yeah, you would think that that would not be, I guess they thought if it's since there's no people on it, then whatever, you know? But, but I mean, how yeah, that, sad. That thing had all kinds of issues. I'm sure. I mean, it sounds like it. I mean, it sounds like people were kind of stupid when you're trying to lighten the load and then you put a concrete floor in. Right. I mean, hello. I mean, and, 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 the, and the thing with it is, they say there may be as many as 3,000 people on the ship that day. Wow. Which was 500 more than it was supposed, supposed to have. Supposed to have, yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. All right, so we got some paranormal aspects. Mm -hmm. There's a bridge and a restaurant right now, if you went there, that's the bridge overlooks exactly where the incident happened, and a restaurant is actually right in front of it. Now, it wasn't a restaurant at the time. It was something yeah. else. But that building where the restaurant is is actually one of the oldest buildings in Chicago. It was built in 1913, so just a couple of years before this accident. They say that people that are on that bridge... Or people that were in the restaurant, because you, from the restaurant you can actually see down, that people report seeing bodies in the water. That sometimes they're just floating, but sometimes they're like rippling the water and a oh, hand sticking out goodness. trying to get help. Oh. There have been calls to the police saying that people are in the water drowning. Mm hmm. That obviously the police get there and there's nobody there. And a lot of times these are at nighttime when those claims happen. Yeah. The Reed Murdoch building. Also, another very old building was used as a temporary morgue as well as the second armory that we talked about. There's report of shadow people moving down the hallways there. They also hear sounds coming from the floor above, even when they know nobody is up there. Lights flicker, doors slam. Now, it's also interesting to know that on um, ghost tours sometimes that they people will look out at the building and they can see lights flickering inside the building, even today. And we mentioned the 2nd Regiment Army. That building would eventually become Oprah Winfrey's Harpo Studio. No kidding. she recorded her, her uh, TV show at. Now, Oprah didn't know anything about the history yeah, of the building. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. But her and her staff would eventually tell some stories about paranormal activity. For example, they would hear the sound of laughing Ghostly children playing in the hallways. There was a ladies' room that you could constantly hear a woman sobbing inside, uncontrollably mm. sobbing. Her night watchman would hear crashing sounds, but when he'd go to investigate, he found nothing there at all. And even better, they caught a woman on surveillance camera, their video, uh, their security surveillance camera. The woman was in a gray dress. And Oprah dubbed her the Grey Lady. Oprah went on to do several episodes on the Eastland disaster and their victims on her show. On the 100th anniversary of the accident, several paranormal investigators flocked through the area to kind of see what would happen. 
I don't like they think ghosts would have time to say, hey, I think we're really going to be active on the 100th anniversary. Like, they're all planning it. <laughs> right. What, what should we do for the 50th? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, definitely. They don't know. So anyway, these, these investigators came, and some of them used underwater recording devices they mm-hmm. put down in the river. They got some yeses and no answers when the, you know, the in general questions, hey, are you, were you part of the Eastland disaster, whatever the deal is. Some of what they got sounded like gibberish. Like, oh, it's just something we can't really figure out. But when they ran this quote unquote gibberish through some other software, it actually turned out to be words from the Czech language. Oh. And as we said earlier, many of Western Electric's employees were Czech. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll end with this little tidbit. There was one person who was supposed to be on the boat, but he overslept and missed going on the boat and decided he would just catch the next one. His name was 20-year-old George Hallis. Does that ring a bell to you at all? No. George Hallis was the owner and founder of the Chicago Bears. Oh, wow. And a matter of fact, when the team wins the NFC to go to the Super Bowl, the trophy they receive is the George Hallis Trophy. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, nicknamed around Chicago as Papa Bear. Yeah. Hallis, but he, yeah, he was the owner and he was the founder and he coached them for the first 40 years or something. And, uh, Imagine but, how he felt. But he was a 20-year-old employee of Western Electric oh, at the time. Oh, boy. And missed that boat. Thank goodness. All right, you ready for our disturbing fact of the day? I reckon. Siberian bears. Siberian, my country came out of me. Siberian bears. <laughs> Siberian bears sometimes dig up dead bodies for food. Thus, they use cemeteries as their refrigerators. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> You don't even know what else to say about that. Why can't they just eat berries and twigs? Well, it's in Siberia. They don't have a lot of berries and twigs. Oh. It's frozen. <laughs> most of it, most That's of very time. true. <laughs> All right. Guys, thank you so much. I hope you guys are enjoying these episodes. We're trying to give you a, a little different taste of what we normally mm-hmm. get on the regular show. So. Yeah. I hope you guys are enjoying. We love you, and thanks for hanging with us. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.